and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love the real housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and thank you for joining me either again or for the first time, or maybe you're just checking back in. Either way, I'm very glad that you're listening, and as always, very grateful for all the support. My guest today is, of course, Brendan Davis from the podcast Come Through Queen. Kind of the part two to my chat with Dan from the show, who was on a couple of weeks ago on the podcast as well. We will get to that in just a second, but I do want to touch down... I like to check in with shows when they do a season premiere because I feel like it's a good time to see where we stand with something and how we feel about it. So obviously, we have just had the Real Housewives of New Jersey season 11 premiere. Um, Jersey is one of those shows where I totally get its place in the Housewives canon, but it's always been sort of one that I wasn't personally as enthused about. But I felt like the last couple of seasons, it has really found its stride again. So I'm actually quite excited for this 11th season. And it was a strong premiere. They did that really fun Housewives thing of really dropping in (laughs) a piece of dramatic confrontation to keep you going because they were like, here's something that happened, but let's rewind a few days and give you all the setup. So we're getting to kind of see where everybody is after the break from filming, etc. Interesting, given that Teresa is such a big part of the show, I felt like she wasn't in it much until the end and her big showdown with Jackie over these rumors about her husband's alleged infidelity. It seems clear that the Jackie Teresa thing will be, you know, a key storyline this season, but it was also interesting to touch back in with Dolores and her, I suppose, interesting, and I actually quite like how different Dolores' love life setup is. I think it's kind of quite modern in a way, even though I'm sure Dolores is a very traditional kind of person. We got a bit of Margaret action, I should say. Um, if you haven't heard it already, Margaret Joseph from New Jersey was on the Petty Little Things podcast hosted by... Victoria's Secret and Davina Divine. They are previous guests of this show. And on their podcast recently, they had a chat with Margaret Joseph. So if you want to hear some Irish drag performers, Kiki with a Real Housewives superstar, you can check that out on their podcast now. It is well worth checking that one out. It's very fun. Yeah, we kind of checked in with Jennifer, who is always much more likable in the family scenes than she is in the group scene. Sometimes in the group scene, she just gets so messy and kind of mean-spirited. Melissa and... Her husband, there doesn't seem to be a whole lot going on story-wise, although the trailer does hint that there is stuff to come with them kind of having some kind of verbal disagreement that Teresa is also involved with as well. Like, I mean, the family dynamics and how much the husband's feature is what makes Jersey stand out. Personally, for me, it's why I don't always love Jersey, but I do think it gives it something different to all the other shows. So a strong premiere, I mean... I feel like you probably could just jump in and try it out if you're if you're new to Housewives in New Jersey. I think you could probably check out the most recent, the previous season as well if you wanted. Or even just check out the first two seasons from back in the day because it's a very different time for Housewives. But those first two seasons are amazing. Anyway, that is just some New Jersey thoughts. I might check in with that probably with more guests as the season airs and maybe just check in myself every so often here in the intro of the show as well. But that is enough talking for me. Let's get straight to it. Here is this week's guest, Brendan Davis on Housewives and Me. My guest today is one half of the podcast Come Through Queen. We obviously had his co-host on recently, so it only feels right that we get the part two that we so desperately deserve today from Come Through Queen, Brendan Davis. Welcome to Housewives and Me. Hi, Connor. Um, so we've had Dan from Come Through Queen on. Obviously, fun little behind the scenes fact. My plan had been to have you and Dan on together, but we had some tech issues mm-hmm. the day that we wanted to do that. So I said, you know, we'll just split up the Come Through Queen goodness for everybody. So Dan told us how the podcast came to be almost five years ago. Um, yeah. But what I'm interested in asking you today is how did you get into Real Housewives? In college, I was in college from like 2005 to 2009. And I kind of remember like hearing about housewives and like that it was like the real life version of desperate housewives back then they were doing like a lot of that with the OC and all of that. And then I moved to New York and I was staying on my good friend from high school's couch for a month. I can't believe somebody let me stay on their couch for a month, but (laughs) that was right around the premiere of uh, real houses of New Jersey. So yes, yes. I caught the first season of Real Housewives of New Jersey. And by the time the last episode came around with the table flip, mm-hmm. it was like, wow, I'm in. And then from there, I believe I ju- I like waited a year. And then season three of New York came around. And that is another iconic season of Housewives uh, with Scary Island and the downfall of Jill and Bethany and Ramona renewing herself 
And that's yes. when I was like truly in, in, in. It's interesting you mentioned season three of New York, actually, because um, it kind of came up with Dan. But uh, like on this podcast, a lot of people in Ireland and the UK are getting into Housewives because a bunch of seasons went on Netflix last year. And a lot of people said to me, oh, I find New York a bit slow. Should I stick with it? I'm like, oh, by the time you get halfway through season two, and once you get to season three, it will all make sense. Like, please believe me. So it's funny you're mentioning that season three moment for you, because I do think that's a moment New York just gets so good. Season three is like one of the best seasons of those early seasons of housewives it kind of changed the game in a lot of ways to me and then i feel like opened it up for beverly hills to come storming in and the first few seasons of beverly hills are so major and so iconic and i i feel like new york season three kind of opened the floodgates for that Listen, it's all about that New York impact. And obviously, you mentioned that Jersey was your first one, too. I mean, you forget mm-hmm. sometimes because Jersey now, I think, is good again. And this new season I'm excited by. But like you forget just how huge those first couple of Jersey seasons were. Like it was sort of a law unto itself, really. They really were. And if you think about season two of Jersey, the amount of iconic television they churned out with only four housewives because Dina quit mid-season. Yes. It's truly what and they have one of the best reunions filmed at the Borgata, which I've stayed at. Um <laughs> and also where the Chic Say La Vie music video is filmed. Um, but they only had four housewives for that entire reunion and it had so many amazing moments. That's true. Particularly I actually my first ever full time not full time, but that's <laughs> my first time watching a housewife season was the first season of Jersey when it aired. One of the UK channels we get here played it week on week. So I kind of watched the way you did. And I remember mm-hmm. getting to the reunion, having never watched Housewives at all up until that point, And just being like, this is insane. They're just sitting there playing back all the horrible things they said to each other. And they're saying even more horrible things. And that's when I, that's when an obsession was formed, I think. Them having to go through those reunions and like rewatch every horrible thing they've said. I was thinking about that when Salt Lake City's first reunion aired this week. Um, just truly wild that we put people through that exercise. <laughs> and by we, I mean Andy Cohen. <laughs> and we, some of us then talk about it in a podcast because that's how obsessed we are. Uh-huh. Five years strong. <laughs> um, you've been doing the podcast for five years, as you mentioned. Has anything like surprised you about doing the podcast? Like maybe when you started, did you expect... Like, I'm thinking maybe a show you loved at the start of the podcast, maybe you don't love anymore, or just even hearing from someone who listens and you weren't expecting it. Has anything about doing a Housewives podcast kind of stood out to you? I think it's like, before the podcast, I wouldn't say I was a passive watcher of the show, but doing a Housewives podcast week to week where you're recapping, you really have to pay attention. And some of the more like boring episodes, because there are boring episodes of in some bad seasons. I'm thinking of this past season of OC. You really have to pay attention to whether you like it or not, because you have to talk about it for an hour every day. I mean, every week. Could you imagine if it was every day? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Come through Queen Daily coming soon. You heard it here first. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, what are episodes of Come Through Queen that you think people should check out if they've never listened? Is it just a case of listen to the most recent because you're recapping the shows weekly? Or are there one or two where you're like, that one was really funny, I have to say? I would say listen to the current ones. I feel like Dan and I have gotten into a good groove again. I feel like with quarantine, we haven't recorded in the same space in almost a year at this point. So it it was a little bit of a learning curve, but I think we're back on the... I think we're back on the wagon. Also, we did, if you're interested in American politics, we did a few episodes back, way back in 2016 in the lead up to the election that brought us Donald Trump. We did a couple episodes really deep diving the politics of the housewives, which I think was interesting. And I think a lot of people have been doing that recently, but we were kind of the first, not to toot our own horn. <laughs> Come to Queen came out swinging today. I actually... I asked Dan about that briefing when he was on and he mentioned how since then it's harder to find out how people donate or they're not donating because they know it's public. When you went mm-hmm. through the archives five, well, four and a half slash five years ago, did anything stand out to you or surprise you about who supported what political candidate or party? It's hard to say I was surprised because if you think about it, 
people with a lot of money tend to vote a certain way in the U.S. But it's interesting how the lines are drawn between cities and not many cities have a mix of like people on both sides of the aisle. The only city I can really think of, the only cities I can really think of who do are maybe New York and maybe Beverly Hills. But other than that, they're all pretty much fall where you'd expect. That's true, actually. And it like once you watch the show, that knowledge, it does it does stay in your head. I, I'm thinking because Dallas is on at the moment. I mean, I know mm-hmm. that when you, you've talked about this in the podcast before, that you've realized that some of the Dallas women skew very Republican. Like, do you find yourself watching certain shows where the political views might be a bit different and go, mm, do I stand anymore? Maybe not. Like, how do you feel about it? Well, Dan and I kind of have this philosophy when it comes to these women in general. Um, we allow ourselves to lightly stand, but never really fully stand because they're going to come back and bite you. I mean, we're watching these shows for what? To watch people who aren't necessarily on their best behavior. And so when it comes to politics, it's like you got to take it with a grain of salt. The only time it really, really impacts my views in a major way, I would say when they get to be outwardly destructive with their behavior on that level. I'm thinking like Kelly Dodd, who's like peddling in conspiracy theories actively and uh, like, making fun of the Black Lives Matter movements and stuff like that. There definitely feels like a line that you can cross where you're just like, it's not even fun to ignore certain things you've said now. Like, you're right, there is definitely a line where like they become kind of too objectionable. I wanted to ask you as well about the kind of Real Housewives underdogs, because this came up with Dan too. Like one of my favourite come through queen tropes, if you will, is the way you and Dan will like gravitate towards someone who before they even get on the show you've decided you both are like are rooting for like Barbara Kay or Tanya, people who on the in the actual show don't get much screen time. What is it about those underdogs that stands out to you? Like, is it just being a troll? Or are you like, no, I actually really like that person. That's come to be known as the come through queen curse as well. Um, in like our Facebook group, etc. Because these people that we end up rooting for before they're even on the show, they end up flopping. And in the case of someone like Barbara Kay, for example, it was... That was a matter of in with New York in general, you get a lot of like coverage and social media posts. And this person was spotted filming with these women. So trying to dig into that and like see who they are before time and like see where their social media is before the they're even announced on the show. And then like how that changes. That's kind of like a fun little like experiment or like research project for me. Someone like Tanya though, it's just like, she's so nice and she gets shit on by like the fans in a lot of ways because people like viewers corny. So in that way, we're like truly rooting for the underdog. We are no longer standing Barbara Kay though, because she's running for mayor of New York and she has some, interesting things about policing in her platform you can go to her website to read that <laughs> so, so you won't be voting for barbara <laughs> k for mayor okay right so we have a lot of shows on the air at the moment we don't necessarily recap the shows week on week here on Heavenless housewives mm-hmm. and me but i am interested in where people are at the shows in general so i want to ask you about dallas i caught up on the most recent episode yesterday before knowing we'd be recording today and sure. when this goes out there might be a couple more episodes out but How are you feeling about season six? I'm finding, you mentioned earlier about slow and boring seasons. I'm finding this is one of those shows where I'm watching my phone in my hand and I'm a bit like, uh, about half of this is interesting. Like, where are you with Dallas? I agree with you. I think that the uh, addition of Dr. Moon is a great addition and I wish they would have done more. You know, I wish they would have brought Dr. Moon and a friend in at the same time. And yes. I also feel like there's just some people on that show, mainly Carrie Brittingham, who it's just like, why do I have to watch you? She's just like mean in a way that's not fun for me. And also, speaking of Dr. Moon, I felt like this last episode, she's getting in her own way in a lot of ways by being a little too particular and being a little... She needs to be a little more go with the flow in some things, I think. And I think it's making people turn against her when she should be a great first season housewife. Yes, there's times where 
like the slightly domineering thing of like put this on when you're in my house and do this and do this like it's mm-hmm. fun in terms of it puts them all on edge in a way and it's very housewise but if we're kind of rooting for her as the decent one of the bunch it's a bit like Tiffany you're losing us you're losing us a little bit here exactly and the fact like Carrie's so bad that I'm like almost rooting for Deandra somebody who I never thought I would root for again <laughs> you know I mean, yeah. I do miss when Deandra showed up to that party as a robot a few seasons back. That was an iconic fashion moment, but she's not my fave either. I think Deandra arriving to a party uh, as a robot attached to an iPad was probably a sign of where we're all going to be in terms of attending events. She maybe predicted something with that. Oh my iPhones. God, I didn't even think about that. That is brilliant. <laughs> she predicted COVID-19. Ugh. <laughs> What do you think of Stephanie on Dallas? She's one of those people where I'm like, she seems like a truly decent human being. But then I, I mean, look, if we think about her husband and where he probably lies on the spectrum of like views mm-hmm. and politics and stuff, maybe that's not the case. But she's someone where I'm like, I am kind of rooting for Stephanie. I think her storylines, I'm always rooting for Stephanie as well. I don't, her storylines with like her husband are depressing as hell. The fact that he doesn't want to help her with this charity venture when they have like a mi- millions and millions of dollars it's just really depressing for like the state of the country and the world but i mean stephanie is a gem and she's like a bright spot and she's always nice to have on the tv and she's put a, like it's funny because this season she's i know i agree with you her main storyline is a little bit dull but in general she's very chipper and she's a great way with people and you forget that like She's put out some very heavy personal stuff about her mental health on the show over the course of five or six years. There is like, there's quite a lot to her life that you kind of could almost forget about because she is very easy breezy kind of Southern Belle vibes. For sure. And I, you know what I want to see? I want to see her and Dr. Moon team up because I feel like that would be a good duo to bring us forward and cast around. For sure. And I do like... I touched on this with a few people when I've talked about Tiffany Moon. There is a small sense that, I mean, Tiffany is friends with Deandra and it makes complete sense she's on the show in terms of her wealth and her background and what Mm -hmm. she brings. But you do get the sense that I get the impression that some of the other women are a little bit scared of saying the wrong thing to her because of Leanne was fully awful and deserved everything she got off of how she behaved, in my opinion. But I do get the vibe that some of the women on the show are like, I'm a white woman. And if I come at Tiffany the wrong way, I'll be called a racist. And I'm like, you need to be you need to give this woman the grace of like treating her like you would everyone, anyone else in every sense of the word. Because then I think her and Stephanie would probably buddy up more quickly. Like, mm-hmm. I think in a way they're almost tiptoeing around Tiffany in a way. Yeah, that's particularly true, particularly true with Brandy, especially because Brandy did get in trouble for being racist, though she wasn't fired from the show. Um, and it's coming across as really awkward when Brandy's in a scene with Tiffany Moon. I was just thinking that because obviously, as I said, we don't usually recap like episodes fully on this show, but it did strike me. The episode I mo- just watched was them having a pizza party and Brandy's mm-hmm. going through how all the toppings are presented to different women. And you could tell with Tiffany, she's like, pick a topping you like and say something nice. <laughs> like I, I could know. tell she was like, <laughs> I'm not even going to be faintly shady. I'm just not risking it. Uh, how do you feel about Atlanta this season? I mean, you are, are you from, are you from Atlanta? Are you from Georgia? Or is that like, you talk about it on the podcast, you're from Atlanta, aren't you? I, I'm from like Metro Atlanta. So the suburbs outside of Atlanta. Okay. So it is your home city in terms of housewives. So how are you feeling about Atlanta this season? Atlanta should have started with like this past episode that aired that, uh, where they arrive to, or they're fully at, sorry, the beach house in Isle of Palms, which I've also, my family used to vacation there. Um, so oh relatable content. It was, <laughs> it was a drag until they got on vacation and it finally got good. And then the Super Bowl happened. So we didn't have an episode that week. I know that it happens every year. And I know, I know, I know the Super Bowl is one of the most watched things in American TV every year. But as someone who's not in the US, I'm like, I don't care. Counter programming, air it anyway. <laughs> like, just put it out. It really is the curse of Atlanta airing on Sunday nights every week, because especially in the winter, because it's not only the Super Bowl, we'll have award shows like the Golden Globes, the Oscars coming up, though this year that schedule's a little different. So Atlanta always has this curse where they miss weeks on weeks. Yeah, it, you're right. Even a season that's not as top start as this one, even if it's really good, you're like, oh, stop missing two weeks at a time. It's so frustrating. 
there's also a lot of friends of in Atlanta to a point like I'm finding it so funny the contrast of Dallas where they've one friend of character Jen who is how I'd say says three words on camera per episode versus Atlanta where they have six friends of just or however many there are just floating in and having whole scenes I'm like what is like what is the definition of a friend of anymore I know in Atlanta it seems like there's even tiers of friends of now there's like the Marlo (laughs) Tanya tier then there's like the Latoya tier then there's like the Fallon tier it's pretty wild, but the more, in my mind, the more the merrier. I wish they would have cast a couple of these women as actual housewives, but it is what it is. It's weird with the friend of things. Sometimes I think it actually broadens out the world of a show and it gives you a sense that there's a group of them that interact. But sometimes if there's too many friends of and we're not following them in a in a real way. Mm-hmm. You're watching a scene and you're suddenly like, who are these? Like, it's a bit distracting. But then on Dallas, Jen is literally just standing there and it's so obvious they've cut around her. And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> like, why was she even there? I know with Jen and Dallas, not to go back, but with Jen and Dallas, um, I felt so bad for her because the one interesting thing that she started to talk about at one of the dinners, she was going to go into her struggles with addiction. And then Deandra was like, well, I was a Coke addict and it like totally changed the conversation and made the focus on Deandra. And I was like, I actually want to hear about Jen, especially since she's the only sober one sitting around this table with a bunch of drunk women who just went to a vineyard, then day drank through whatever small town in Dallas that they were at. Yeah, that was, that to me felt like either they cut it out or she never got the chance to talk about it. But as you say, either way, I was like, that's the story I would like to follow as a viewer. It was bizarre. Um, the other show that's airing as we speak and has been a bit of a sensation in that we haven't had a new Housewife City for a while, so it is a big mm-hmm. deal, is of course Salt Lake City. What have you made of this season of it and how, what do you think of the reunion so far? I think that Salt Lake had a really, really strong start of the season, I feel like it lost the script a little bit in the middle, but then I feel like it had a strong ending and a very strong reunion thus far. I couldn't get over, well, first of all, them getting a three-part reunion feels really significant mm-hmm. because A, that does not really happen with first seasons. B, it's like, that means our first season episode order is very high in general. And then C, it's like, OC managed a two-part reunion and it's like the OG series in Salt Lake City. They were like, all right, hold my earrings. I'm going to do a whole three-part reunion. Like, it's just the contrast is crazy. I know. And it also, I think a lot of it has to do because Salt Lake is our last or was our last pre-COVID season. Mm -hmm. We didn't have any bit of COVID during it. So... There was more to talk about. They got to film for the entire time. Uh, And I just feel like these women at the reunion are so excited to be there and to like show off what they've got. And Andy was so excited to first meet all of them because he hadn't met any of them yet because Watch What Happens Live has only been virtual. He, I think he was just so excited to talk to and about a new cast of characters. It's so interesting you brought that up because I picked up on that too, watching it. I thought, I actually said, I was watching my, my housemate and I said, he, Andy is loving these women. He's loving doing this. And you know, when you watch enough reunions, you know the seasons and shows where Andy is coming and gone, oh, here we mm-hmm. go, a 12 hour day with these losers. Whereas with that Salt Lake City reunion, I felt like he was just, even when Lisa said, no, no, we're not done with this. He was laughing at it. Whereas in other cities, I think he would actually snap back more. He seemed to really just be having a blast. Yeah. Also, this might just be like a personal Andy Cohen journey thing he's going through. So I listened to, I subscribed to Sirius XM radio so I can one, listen to Radio Andy and his radio show and two, listen to Michelle Collins. But Andy was had on Kristen Johnson the other day and he was talking about how he was at work the other day and he had to say to himself, you have your dream job and you love what you do, like snap out of your funk. So I feel like we're in a new Andy Cohen era. It's funny. I actually have thought that before. And to be fair, like obviously he is well paid to do his job. So I'm not getting the tiny violin out for Andy Cohen. But Mm -hmm. I also can understand that he's in a public facing job with a lot of attention, a lot of pressure behind it. And just dealing with those Real Housewives characters, I'm sure wears on you. So it is interesting to hear him go, 
girl snap out of it you have a full-time well-paid tv job in a pandemic people love your work like i'm sure he has hit because even when me and dan went to watch what happens live he was in good form and good spirits and very friendly and i'm sure there'd be nights where you go and he's probably like oh, particularly when it was a live show with an audience every night i'm sure he was like oh mm-hmm. here we go you know but it's interesting to hear that he gave him that tea on his radio show like watching a couple episodes of watch what happens live this past week um there was an episode with vanessa Bayer and fortune themester and andy was having the time of his life in a way that i hadn't seen in a while so i think i think his little pep talk for himself worked i also i'd say he has a good balance now because he is in the watch what happens live studio which you and i have both been in and is a nice Mm -hmm. studio. it's not huge but it's a well-appointed well thought out studio he knows everything is he's got like a shape to it it's a, a specific workplace versus doing it in your home he's got his team around him even if the guests aren't there it's a nice balance of virtual with you know a bit of break from being in your home yeah if you think that studio is quote not huge you should have seen the old studio downstairs from that studio truly a closet (laughs) oh my god i was actually thinking that when i was looking at the photos from the time i went to the taping in 2019 because even when dan and i left like a few a few of us got to stay back and briefly meet Andy and get the photo. And then we were leaving and we just heard this, what's, excuse me? And we're like, oh, sorry. And Andy had to walk by us to get to his dressing room, which is just beside the studio. And like the dressing mm-hmm. room looks fine, but it's quite small. And you just realize, oh, like even an upgraded TV studio, like for a show like that, that's late night, you know, it is kind of like everyone coming together and using certain resources. It's not just, right. and I'm going over to the left wing of this studio for like my six million dollar, you know, dressing room. No, it's actually like, you know pretty normal but that show is such a blast to go to like i've been probably not to brag i've probably been like almost <laughs> 10 times in my life 10 times i would say i would say i near 10 times and i've been like one a couple times as like a just a regular uh audience member and then like three times as a guest of one of the guests and it truly is a blast no matter which way you experience it also, I mean, obviously this probably doesn't happen now because their audience is virtual and that's the way it is. But when we went, they get you so turned up at that free bar. They are like, would you like another vodka orange, sir? And I would I say, know. yes, I would indeed. Like I was Liddy sitting in that Oprah chair. And they even do it at the ones that are filmed in the middle of the day. I went to a taping at 2.30 in the afternoon on like a Tuesday and they are pouring cocktails. I was actually going to ask you that because we went, like when we went, it was a live episode. So you arrive around, I mean, the show airs at what, 11? I'm trying to, I don't really know the time because I'm not in the US. Airs at 11 usually, doesn't it? It's 10 or 11, yeah. Yeah, so we got there probably around 9.30 or 10 and they're, and you know, you get there about an hour before they do a head count. They, they line everybody up and they're like, making sure you got your drinks and getting mm-hmm. a buzz on so i'm just i'm i'm howling at the idea that like at lunchtime basically you can go in and get blitzed and I, I watch what happens live i know they used to even um at commercial breaks bring shots crazy truly crazy oh my god i mean i know we i know we're all in this space of remember when we could do this remember when we could do that but i'm like remember when you could travel to new york sit in an mm-hmm. Oprah chair, watch Happens Live and get wasted. Like, I mean, that's just not going to happen tomorrow, is it? Like, <laughs> I know. Oh, get these vaccines in us. <laughs> yes, vaccinate us up. So obviously we're chatting having only seen one part of the Salt Lake City reunion, but were you kind of surprised by anybody at it? Because I thought Lisa was very, as they say on Summer House, which I don't watch, but you guys always quote, activated. Lisa was on at that reunion. Lisa was very activated. And I actually was surprised. Speaking of Lisa, I was surprised. Heather, who I love, or, or who I lightly stand, um, <laughs> she came in a little more on her high horse than I would have expected from seeing her on her season and i think that's in part or probably mostly due to the outpouring of love she's received from the fans and i think in lisa's case and it was addressed in the first part of the reunion lisa has experienced the opposite from fans of heather they've like come after her on social so i think in effect, that's how we saw Lisa and Heather both come in, affected by these fans. And I mean, like, Rihanna follows Heather and, like, DM'd her, so she must be feeling really great about that. You're right, actually. And it was interesting because, you know, we know when you watch the reunion that they have reacted to a whole season's worth of stuff, but particularly the last few years, the social media mm-hmm. 
conversation is so huge. And also, if you're filming the first season of a new Housewife City, the filming and all that probably feels almost secretive in a way because no one really knows what you're doing. So I'd imagine the whiplash of then like watching the show air and becoming famous and suddenly having your phone blow with messages saying either we love you or we think you're a piece of shit. Like it must be. Even for the most well-adjusted person, it must be very difficult. It it really does. And it's interesting how they each react to it, especially on social. Not to make it a ton about like social, that because it's not actually on the show. But I would keep an eye on, um, as you're watching the rest of the reunions, keep an eye on Meredith Mark's Twitter. Because she seems to have an operation of like professionals running it. Because like usually these women live tweet and they probably come prepared with certain tweets. Meredith has content. She has screenshots of things to like that are damning about Jen Shaw. She's putting out video clips in the moment while the reunion's happening. It's truly wild. I did not know this. So Meredith, I'm done engaging Marks, is busy engaging on another platform, essentially. Yes, she's she's engaging. (laughs) I'm not done engaging with this. (laughs) I could watch her do anything. Like, I could watch her walk around her house, slice some bananas for her husband, like, anything, because she's so, she's like an alien robot. It's, have you ever seen Mars Attacks? I haven't, but I know of it. I know the kind of references. There's, like, this famous scene where one of the aliens, like, puts on, like, a bodysuit to look like a hot woman, and it's kind of the alien like trying to seduce this guy before killing him i think anyways she reminds me of that alien in that movie <laughs> i want someone to do a meme of Meredith marks attacks and it's like that oh poster <laughs> reimagined oh my no i completely agree like i even just i mean it was sort of this big moment on the show and the way she played it was so funny to me where like you know her and her husband are having this really deep conversation in their bedroom Mm -hmm. and she's got the robe on he says something along the lines of you know maybe it's it's for the best that we take some time apart she's just just she just mumbles i don't disagree (laughs) they had to sub they had to subtitle it i was like that is so funny to me that you're barely able to even speak on this show Exactly. Connor, are you buying the Brooks Marks tracksuit? I mean, not as of yes, but <laughs> I don't hate it. I mean, it's cute. It's just very like you get it at ASOS. Like I, I don't think it's ugly, but I also don't think it's this huge designer win or surf that people would try and claim it is. I've noticed a few like white influency gays have popped up with the tracksuit. And I wonder if brooks marks is sending them or if they're buying them i mean are they expensive to buy i feel like they're more expensive than say sweats that you get at like asos or something but they're not like it's crazy expensive right i i think the website is also selling shirts that say like i'm disengaging i mean see now i'd be tempted by that to be honest mm-hmm. like i'm basic but i would be tempted by that <laughs> if anything actually murder marks should do cameo i would pay for a cameo of her being like hey, Connor, your friends got this message and they just wanted to say happy birthday or whatever it would be for. Like, I would pay for that. I would actually as well. I have been known to purchase cameos. Who have you purchased a cameo from? Um, so the most recent one, I, of course, speaking of underdogs, um, Elise from Roni. Okay. I just wanted her to send a message to the Come Through Queen community who oh, she yes, referred yes. to as you people. So now Dan and I <laughs> have... Have, our fans are named you people. Anybody else that you cameoed from? Um, one time a few years ago, someone from Come Through Queen Facebook group bought us one from Leanne Locken in which she knew the Come Through Queen theme song, which was scary. Oh, I remember that. I remember yeah. you guys playing that on the show. And I was like, this feels almost like a serial killer move. <laughs> yeah. And then pre right before cameo happens... My friends, uh, Tim and Trang, two of my dearest friends, DM'd Tom Schwartz and got him to record a video asking me to officiate their wedding. Oh my god, that's so nice. It was really cute. Yeah, and they like invited me over and played it for me on their TV. But this, this wasn't a cameo. This was pre-cameo. Oh my, maybe Tom Schwartz did that and then he emailed a few investors and said, I have got a great idea, guys. <laughs> yeah, he emailed Paul Burden, Bethany's uh, boyfriend, who is a cameo investor. Oh, I forgot about that. And of course, she's on the platform and she's always like, I'm a, 
I don't just go on Cameo. I'm invested in the future Cameo. I'm like, okay, how much do you charge a video again? Like, whatever. Yeah, she's one of the more expensive ones, I believe. They are kind of fierce, though. Like, I, the more people tweet the ones that they've gotten or have gotten friends, the more I'm like, you know what? I would buy one. Because some of them are quite affordable. It's a great idea. It is. God, I know the Tom Schwartz thing is so adorable. Yeah, and now they're married and have, they just had a kid this week. Oh my god! Is the kid gonna be named Brendan Davis? All one word. <laughs> they named it. They actually named it Tom Schwartz. <laughs> Just kidding, they named no. their child Tom Tom. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Is that why you used to always on Come Through Queen talk about how you thought Tom Schwartz is cute because of that video? No, I just I always thought that Tom Schwartz was cute, but it's like I've recently rewatched some of the older seasons of uh, Vanderpump Rules, and he is so bad towards katie in those early seasons he poured a beer on her head once oh my see i'm a real like fake fan of pump rules like i came on for i came on the season they got married so like i Um, never got all the tea of how horrible they were to each other when they were younger those early seasons like everyone on that show's garbage but those early seasons the first like one two three seasons of vanderpump rules are exhilarating television i'm still tempted to go back because we're not going to get more new pump rules for at least another year the way things are going i know but we have summer house that's true if i just watch summer house like as it airs at the moment would i get the gist to see if i wanted to go back or is that really cheesy to do i think you can get the gist uh and with summer house i feel like you don't have to watch the first two seasons you just like kind of should start when Paige and hannah join because they kind of usher in the new era of summer house but yeah i think it's it's worth a watch it's like mindless fun and then watching summer house now is compared to all of the other housewives and like covid and stuff like they at least are quarantining together if somebody like a repairman from outside the house comes in they're wearing masks it's like oh wow it's yeah one one of the people didn't go to his mom's wedding in pittsburgh because he didn't want to possibly infect anyone it's like they're actually being responsible oh my god that is such a rarity in the reality tv universe and i do want to ask you about some we didn't talk about oc because i feel like oc is already kind of wrapped and like in a way this season was so dull i'm like i don't need to dwell on it but I, Mm -hmm. i was interested in asking you about the fact that brahman obviously came out as gay i guess kind of did she kind of came out about halfway through the season airing so like Mm -hmm. And then obviously it was discussed at the reunion and she is the first kind of full-time cast member to come out as gay. I mean, there's obviously been kind of queer characters in the franchise in different ways, friends off, you know, and supporting mm-hmm. roles over the years. I know that sort of your day job involves talking about representation and looking at the US media and how it fares when it comes to LGBTQ stories and I guess coverage in general. Mm-hmm. How significant or maybe not significant is Brahman coming out in terms of housewives and maybe reality tv in general i think that it is significant when anyone comes out and i feel like with bronwyn in particular the amount of media coverage that her coming out got was actually like pretty overwhelming it was pretty huge it was it was like everywhere and i think it's significant obviously bronwyn didn't have a great end of the season and there was stuff that came out that she regrets and Things weren't great near the end, but that doesn't really matter. Um, the point is that it is significant significant that she came out. I think the shows in general have a lot of work to do still when it talks about when they talk about their relationship to like queer people. There were some weird moments at the end of the season for Bronwyn, and like there's so many weird moments in the entire history of the franchise that you can point to that are problematic. So I think there's still a lot of work to do, but I think people like Bronwyn help. I think, and Elizabeth Vargas even, like somebody who didn't really make that much of a impact this season, she came out as bisexual or revealed to the public that she was bisexual in that reunion, and that's good too. As you say, it's just about broadening the playing field so that people can feel they can have the conversation. Like in a way, Elizabeth sort of brought it up as a surprise at the reunion, but she wouldn't have probably talked about it if Bronwyn hadn't come out, even though she kind of brought it up to almost try and put Bronwyn in her place. As you say, Mm -hmm. if Bronwyn hadn't made that step maybe elizabeth would never not that she has to but elizabeth might not have talked about being bisexual on tv yeah. were it not for the fact that Bronwyn said well i'm gay so 
you're right. I do think part of the tricky part then when you go into the housewisery of it all, just being a viewer, it's like Bronwyn can have a bad season or be annoying to watch and also it can mm-hmm. be significant. And also sometimes when the other women go after her, they can go after her for being annoying. But when it then goes into and they make fun of her being gay, it's a bit like you have other mm-hmm. things with Bronwyn you can bring up. You don't have to like rag on her sexuality. Totally, totally. And one more thing with Bronwyn that I wanted to mention her and uh, Sean being accepting of their child wanting to pursue drag and like the scenes we saw around that were incredible also. I agree. And actually, I think in a funny, not, it's not an either or thing. They both have a significance and they're both important. Her coming out, as you say, mm-hmm. is important to the show and the franchise in general and representation in general. But I, d- I do think in a way it can almost be overlooked the importance of stuff with the kids just because that's not as digestible a story for headlines and stuff. But you're right, there's a power in these shows that obviously have an audience of women who watch who are parents who maybe have different viewpoints and experiences and seeing it being very like, yeah, our kids put a, a wig on to do a show or mm-hmm. it's experimenting with makeup and it's not like a source of anguish or shame for the family that does feel kind of um it feels significant as well actually yeah and like what a long way we've come especially on um this franchise remember a few seasons ago with what's her name and they went to the drag show and she was uncomfortable yes yes although i did love (laughs) i did love during the reunion when they were like they did that thing where Brahman had said in another interview, you know, I just wouldn't feel like I could talk about LGBT rights or my support of Black Lives Matter with these women, these women. I just don't think they kind of want to hear me talk about it or whatever. And they all jumped to, you said we were homophobic or racist. And Emily was like, I went to a drag show. Oh, God. <laughs> it just made me laugh. I was like, oh, well, that's, I'm glad we cleared that up, Emily. <laughs> amount of like straight people like i i watched drag race once i'm not homophobic i'm like it takes a little it takes a little bit more than that yeah the little more work hun you mentioned watch happens live and you've gone to watch happen live as a guest of people who've been on and for work and all that kind of mm-hmm. thing but i'm so curious because your co-host dan had some pretty good real housewives run-ins over the years and i'm curious what kind of ones you've had um i've had several so i went to watch happens live as a guest of Leanne Lockin, which I'm not proud about. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my friend's mom is friends with him. I mean, with her. So that's why we went. Um, I've interacted with Ramona before, and she's just as wild as you'd expect. Um, <laughs> I had a drunken conversation with Sonia once where she described um, having sex, which was weird. I... Oh, my very first interaction was I was at an event and I was escorting Luann. And this was 2009, right after she broke up with the Counts. And she was giving an interview about it to like, I would say like Us Weekly or something like that. And after the interview, she turned to me and she goes, how did I do? And I was like, you did great. She was really nice. And was it in a kind of like, oh God, I'm nervous? Or was she kind of like, how did I do? Like Luann style, like wink, wink. No, it was very much like she was nervous because I think it was probably one of the first interviews she was giving giving after her divorce. Oh, my God. That's crazy. That's a kind because you forget there is that slight vulnerability to Luan that we do see when you watch the show for long enough. Mm Because our main image of Luan is like this larger than life campy caricature. And you forget that she has gone through an awful lot as well. Another good one. um, I went to cubby hole which is a famous lesbian bar here in new york city and they were filming real housewives of new jersey this was seasons and seasons and seasons ago when like kathy wakili was on and she was there with her sister rosie filming some scenes i didn't really interact with them besides getting a picture but i'm in the episode and every once in a while somebody will send me the screenshot and be like is this you Oh, are you like you're kind of visible in the background while they're talking or something? I'm like in just like one shot that's kind of like the camera's like sweeping across the bar. That is so funny. And then Dan, as he mentioned when he was here, was on an episode of Jersey at Therese Book Launch. So between the two of you, I mean, Jersey has a significance for the come through Queen family. It really does. It's important. It's it's our heart. <laughs> is there anybody else that you've had a run in with they, those are pretty good ones to be fair I mean I was on in the background of an episode of one of Bethany's spin-off shows but that's not really a story you can just like spot me briefly 
Um, I feel like I've had so many. I went to BravoCon. There was a lot that happened there, which was amazing. BravoCon was both the most exciting weekend of my life, but like also the most illuminating as far as like who the people are that watch these shows. Right. So for people who may not know, BravoCon was basically a convention that was, this is in 2019, right? I'm thinking it was November 2019. So it was like in the style of Comic-Con or DragCon was this massive weekend of events and talks and panels celebrating Real Housewives featuring Housewives producers. They did a giant mammoth episode of Watch Happens Live from there Mm -hmm. and fans from across. I'm going to I'm guessing the country, probably from the world, I'm sure people flew in from outside the US like a comic con for basically bravo shows which is my idea of heaven so when you say it was illuminating was it just seeing what the audience for the shows actually is was that what was surprising yeah it was a lot of like rude people i would say i overheard like i overheard people being racist it was it was a lot of that but there were also like some of the really great super fans were there like the people who run various accounts or who have podcasts that was like the other side of it so it was like both of those groups of people all in one space which was so wild and did you um get to talk to any kind of housewives or bravo stars at BravoCon, or was it just watching them interact with people i talked to ariana and tom sandoval from vanderpump rules and they were lovely they're one of the few vanderpump rules people where i'm like you actually seem like fairly normal well just people that i could have a conversation with at some point yeah they were so 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 nice so gracious i think they were like the type of people who like were just so happy to be there um also i went to the live taping of watch what happens live which was an hours long event that they edited down to be like an hour and it was so fun to watch during commercial breaks who interacted with who so it was like fun to see like jill zarin talk to like emily from oc and then, like, some of the Roni women go over to talk to the Vanderpump Rules kids and, like, all the, those types of interactions. Yeah, because there were, at one point they had people from every single big Bravo show on this one stage. And it was like, it was like how comic book nerds feel watching the last Avengers movies where there's, like, 50 people in one scene. I was like, this is legendary. When you were watching those, like, between commercial break, like... During the commercials when people were interacting, did anything stand out to you that you were like, oh, I didn't think so-and-so and so-and-so knew each other? I thought it was interesting. Kim Richards spent a really long time talking to Jill Zarin. And if I could be a fly on the wall of that <laughs> conversation, I would have loved to. Because they had like, at one point they brought out like, quote unquote, like OGs who are no longer on the show. So it was like the two of them, Adrian Maloof, Gina Keo, Caroline Manzo. Um, so that was interesting. Then there was like a bait and switch where they brought out Lisa Vanderpump at one point. And then before the Beverly Hills Housewives entered, she was whisked away. So they never had to interact. I actually remember the conversation about that because I remember like that was one of the things people talked about who were there and were like, oh my God, I don't know how they're going to show this on camera because that was not long after everything had fallen apart. And from what I can gather, bar like Kyle and Lisa running into each other at a restaurant, they really haven't seen or interacted with Vanderpump at all since she left the show. I know. I think I've heard Vanderpump talk about a couple restaurant run-ins, but that's about it. I, I think there's only like two restaurants people go to in Beverly Hills or something because they always seem to be running into each other. There's se- Yeah, there seems to be a circuit of like rich people, friendly places they all like to eat where they're probably getting photographed when they leave. <laughs> they all just do a circuit of over the over, pre-COVID, obviously. Oh my God, that BravoCon audience thing. I'm so jealous. That does sound legendary. Um, Something I love to ask people on the show and it always surprises me what they come up with, even though it's kind of a housewife staple, is what their tagline would be. And I'm curious, you're a super fan, you've you've co-hosted a podcast for a long time you've heard a lot of taglines what would your one be um huh that's interesting what about like i may be proudly out but for now i'm stuck inside oh that's so (laughs) mortifying (laughs) i loved your commitment to that you delivered some people are like what if i said this i'm like you could kind of say anything for tagline if you deliver it well and you delivered that well you truly can say anything like some of the taglines especially in new york like they get wild oh in new york it's like 
they're spitballing with the producer and say something in jest and then the producer goes yeah 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 let's use that and they were like i was kidding like sometimes how do they stick with them there's nothing gray about my gardens like are you kidding me (laughs) i actually forgot about that and it was also the way she's like there's nothing right like sonia will at least one thing you can't can't deny with sonia morgan on new york is she will commit to stuff like that way more than some people will yeah, and there's no chance she's ever seen Grey Gardens or she would be insulted that people compare her to that film. Oh my god, I actually, that's one of those documentaries that I knew about because it's kind of a queer classic and people always reference it and I'd seen mm-hmm. clips. But I went to see it in a screening in a cinema here, I want to say maybe two or three years ago and it was me and a group of people and it was like a friend of mine invited me and his wider group of friends were there. And I watched it and the whole time all I could think was, this is literally... Real Housewives in New York, particularly when they're like bedbound, and you're like, "That's there's scenes with Sonia that literally are Grey Gardens." Like, and I said it to one of the people I was with after not knowing they were a Housewives person, and we both went, "Isn't this literally Roni? Like, this is the same thing." Yeah, especially that year that uh, Lou came and lived with Sonia, and they would like be having yes. wine in bed, <laughs> or like this. Well, I don't know if that was the same season where Sonia's townhouse was being renovated and they had that amazing shot of her in the bed surrounded by the plastic tarps and like the whole room was in disarray because it was being renovated god she's so she's so good i yeah i mean like i know we're gonna have a new season in new york and it might feel a bit different because of covid dina and all the things but mm-hmm. i'm very i'm i'm still excited to see what people like sonia get up to in a pandemic having to watch them deal with covid feels different and just more like comedy than what we're getting with like Cynthia planning a wedding in a pandemic, you know, there's like a different feeling that I'm like more okay with watching the Roni women do it, I think. Yeah, or even on Dallas, like they're kind of doing this thing where they're drinking in places and like doing day trips. And it's just like, you guys are turning this up because you've nothing else now. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Something else I love to go deep with people on for this podcast is the dream Real Housewives dinner party. You can bring five people from any franchise. You can have a friend of or a husband if you want or a side character. But what five people are you bringing around for dinner and why? I'm bringing Giselle for South the Gates. From Potomac, okay. Yeah, Giselle from Potomac. I think I'm bringing... I think I'm bringing Sonia. Okay, uh, makes sense. I am gonna go to Beverly Hills and bring... Kim Richards, because I just need to see that. From Atlanta, I think I'm going to have to bring Portia, obviously. And then I'm bringing Heather Dubrow from OC. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I'm laughing because if you've listened to Come Through Queen at all, every single week, without fail, Brendan will bring up Heather Dubrow and or her podcast, Heather Dubrow's World. And I have actually... I had this down to ask you, and I almost forgot to ask... What is your fascination with Heather DeBrow? Okay, so the thing is, her podcast is to, like, if you read the description of her podcast, I'd be like, there's no way I want, like, listening to this. It's just, like, bullshit talking about, like, her life or wellness or, like, whatever. But to hear Heather DeBrow describe her life, and she's just, like, totally serious, and, like, her life is a very rich person's person's life but she talks about it like any of us would talk about like anything in our lives it's just like there's a fascination i have there and i love being in her world and is it like there's almost a camp quality where she doesn't realize how ridiculous she is and you find it funny or is it that you just find her really interesting Uh, it's it's i think it's the camp quality and it's like have you watched any of her house tour videos on youtube I've seen clips of it where she's like walking you through like a ridiculously large closet. It's kind of like the scenes on the shows where on Housewives where their houses are redone, but it's expanded over a YouTube series, right? She did like a 15 part series that goes deep into each one of the rooms in her home. And like it goes, there's an episode about the laundry room and it's not just a laundry room. It's got like six industrial strength washers and dryers. There is like a, gift wrapping station there when she goes through all the different like things you can wrap things with it's insane and would you want her back on oc yes because i think what she brought to the oc is extreme real wealth one and two a she worked in tv she was an actress who worked in tv for years so she has like a producer's mind and knows how to get the job done 
That's true. And you do need someone with that energy on those shows, particularly when they're having a slow season, because it's like, well, we can kind of rely on you to like turn up the heat a little bit. And like that can get that can get a little too intense. But I think that what we saw from Heather, she like struck a balance with it. So Heather is your final dinner party guest, of course. I mean, I I don't know why I was surprised that you said that, but I'm actually not. And that group, <laughs> that group that I just named makes no sense together. It's a mishmash. <laughs> it's a t- total mishmash. None of it makes sense, but it is my truth. <laughs> well, I was actually going to ask about the mix of people. Did you pick something of like the five people you just want to watch up close, the five people you want to see interact, or the five people that are going to be dramatic and crazy? I just, it's the five people I want to see up close. I I threw Kim Richards in there because I just like want to see her navigate this space. It's almost like when I was watching her from afar at BravoCon and watching her with Jill Zarin. It's like that's such Kim Richards and anyone is an odd couple. So I just want to see her with everyone. I feel like Kim Richards and Meredith Marks like walking around. Uh, you mentioned like a like a supermarket or something earlier. Like the, the two of them navigating everyday places. I would watch an uninterrupted live feed of that. Right. I should have said Meredith Marks, but also with Meredith Marks, it's like she's disengaging. So she might not actually stay. <laughs> she might just disengage midway through the first course and say, I'm good, actually. I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And then like if you were to ask who I wanted to have like a private dinner one-on-one with like I can actually oh. enjoy myself I would have said I know that's not a question and I I, I guess I'm Heather DeBrowing and self-producing but <laughs> um I would say probably Heather Gay at this point okay as you <laughs> as you said on your own podcast you love Heather and you love her daughters you love the gay girls I love the gay girls and one of them is named Georgia Gay and I am a Georgia Gay <laughs> You need. I feel like you have to meet Heather at some point and relay all this to her because you know she'd be like, "I love that," or I can't do her voice, but you know what I mean. I cannot do Heather's voice, but you know what I mean. She would absolutely love that. One thousand <laughs> percent. Oh my god, Georgia Gay. Oh my, how did I never make that connection before? And um, we talked briefly about Vanderpump Rules, and I know on Come Through Queen over the last few months, you have gone on a below deck journey. Mm-hmm. So, are there any other Bravo shows that we, for people like who are maybe newer to this whole world? that they should check out or get into um below deck and below deck med i both i did both of those in quarantine and i love them i love that it's like an ever-changing cast of characters with a couple consistent people the only thing about those is that like the two main like the chief stews on each show who are like iconic and have been on the show for like multiple years they both left um summer house for those who don't watch it is worth the ride it's just like easy breezy beautiful like light fun which is great a show that got a second season that I'm really excited got a second season is Family Karma, which I, I'm excited to see what the second season brings. So that's a kind of newer show, right, where the first season is about this kind of like South Asian Indian American family living. Uh, what part of the U.S. is it filmed in? Florida. So like it's kind of this big, like it's this proper family drama because it's like quite a big cast, right? Yeah. And they all have known each other for years. So there's like good history there. And it's just great to see a different, a different type of show on Bravo, you know? For sure. And the fact that they brought it back for a second seat, because I remember hearing about it and thinking, oh, that actually does look fun. But sometimes Bravo does these sort of new shows and they're one season wonder and you're like, maybe I won't bother. But when they bring mm-hmm. it back, you're like, well, it obviously connected. It obviously has like stuff worth investigating. And then I was... I was always calling for more Ladies of London, and I recently did a rewatch, and I didn't realize that in the final season of Ladies of London, I turned on Caroline Stanberry. Oh, she, yeah. I mean, Caroline Stanberry is of Ladies of London, who if anyone hasn't seen is why they haven't brought her to Beverly Hills is beyond me. I think Andy mm-hmm. actually mentioned it recently. Um, but you're right. Her third season was a little bit of a rough ride for Caroline Stanberry. It was because she was disengaging, like Meredith Marks. And, I mean, she was getting ready to move. The show kind of, like, it reached its proper end, almost. Because she's leaving for uh, Dubai, and then, uh, what's her name? Marissa was moving to Los Angeles, where she is friends with Crystal, the new Beverly Hills housewife. Really? So Marissa Hermer from Ladies London is friends with 
Crystal, who's going to be on the new season of Beverly Hills. That's I did not yeah. know that. Yeah, it, they appear to be like really good friends too. I bet you anything we're going to get a Marissa friend of Crystal scene and we're all going to lose our minds. And by all I mean, you, me, Dan and everyone in the Come to Queen Facebook group. Yeah, like the four of us who watched Ladies of London. Yes, uh, I would call it an elite group. Yes. And you mentioned early on that you rewatched, or no, sorry, you mentioned that you started New York at season three. And I'm just Mm -hmm. curious, for people who are maybe very new to Housewives, are there any seasons that they should either revisit or check out for the first time? If you were giving someone kind of like a cheat sheet for shows like New York and Atlanta, where would you send them? For New York, three, but also for sometimes I tell people they can start at seven. In New York, when Bethany returns, Dorinda joins, and you can get like the lay of the land of like where we are now, if that makes sense. I think so too, because I love the early season of New York, but I always feel like you could do seven, get the vibe of, as you say, where they all are, have Bethany, because in a weird way, when Bethany came back, it was like she was being reintroduced in a way. So I think a new viewer could go, oh, cool, and then go back and get all the history after if they enjoyed season seven. 1000%. Um, Jersey, people can start when Marge joins, I think. Um, I don't know the exact season, what that is. And then Atlanta, I feel like people can start when Portia and Kenya join. So that's season five, isn't it? I think so. Okay, yeah, no, that all that all makes sense to me because I'm I'm fielding these questions every week in my own DMs now, so I'm like, I need to throw to a, a verified housewives expert. Yeah, and then OC is all about Heather DeBro, obviously. So join <laughs> like when she joins, you can start. Um, and then Beverly Hills, you have to do seasons one, one and two, and then you can drop off at some point. <laughs> What is so funny, like, and I don't know if you even saw it on your social media or through word of mouth, but watching people over here, first of all, just Star Beverly Hills in summer of like 2020 was a ride mm-hmm. in and of itself. But just seeing how many people were like watch seasons one and two and then carried all the way up to 10 and kind of, said, oh, yeah, just it's not quite as good as it goes on. I was like, no, 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 no. That's the whole point that like if you knew how many of us spent 10 years with this show and wish we hadn't. like <laughs> they- It truly was back in the day, the like shiniest new toy that we were so excited for in season one. And then like, I think I hosted a um, I definitely did host a watch party for the beginning of season two. Which was surrounded by so much controversy because uh, Russell had just died by suicide. And they had to confront it on the show. Um, And I don't even think it's a clip you can find on Hulu because they added it into the beginning where the ladies meet to discuss it. I was actually just going to say, I remember, I remember because I used to watch Beverly Hills through like questionably sourced online links at the time because you couldn't legally stream it here mm-hmm. and i remember that it had that scene where they talked about so basically russell died by suicide after the second season was filmed and there was this huge uproar about maybe they wouldn't air the second season at all mm-hmm. because obviously everything had been filmed and was going to air had happened before all that happened so they mm-hmm. did this thing where they dropped in a scene that starts saying kind of where they all talked about and how shocked they were and then kind of did nine months before. Like they did a little title card, didn't they? And then mm-hmm. the season started. And when you go to watch season two, episode one now, that scene's not in at all, like on the streaming services here either. So I always think that's funny because to me, it's actually really important. But then I guess, mm-hmm. and I know that I don't mean this to sound insensitive, but I've noticed people who are watching over here have actually no idea about what happened with Taylor and Russell because they're divorced from the, the news coverage of it. So in a way... You could argue they don't need that. Like, I don't know. It's a funny, it's a funny thing. By the time we get to the reunion, it's talked about in the reunion. So mm. it is a weird, it is a weird thing to omit, but it is what it is. It could even mean something simple too, like the network tacked it on for certain broadcasts and it was just never added to the actual episode proper. Like you just wouldn't know. But yeah, it's just what, like it even got, I remember last summer people were tweeting like about season one of Beverly Hills being like wow like all the stuff with Taylor and Russell is just intense I was like oh don't google well don't google it because you have only scratched the surface yeah that one okay that's good advice though you've definitely pointed people in a fun like little kind of cheat sheet direction because I do think when people are coming new to Housewives they're so like it is really daunting because American audiences have kind of had it alongside their lies for like over 10 years but people who start like today are literally like what the fuck like where do i go yeah and i'm all for a cheat sheet 
so Dan, who I record my podcast with, is a completist. So when he started, when he decided he was going to be a Real Housewives of OC watcher back in like 2014, he started from the very beginning. And just like the way stuff was filmed back in like season one and like it's a rough ride. It's like worth having the history, but it's a rough ride and if you can cheat a little bit and then go back i think it's better for you i think so too and also you can dip in and out like i've often said to people too like watch now it's harder with oc at the start because they didn't do the reunions the same way but like most housewives shows if you were like i didn't love that season watch the reunion and watch the next one it's not that deep like they have enough flashbacks you'll know what's going on it's not like game of thrones or something well i've never watched game of thrones but you know what i mean something that's supposed to be super complex and so before we go i mean i've chatted to dan about this but where can people find kung fu queen and the patreon and where can they get episodes um we're in all your little podcast apps whatever you use um and then we're on patreon um and i'm told you can get patreon episodes to your podcast app i don't know how yes you can it's right no it's re i actually think maybe your your podcast is the first one i figured it out for but like it's if you follow patreon have the whole like uh page on their website like a support section where it shows how to do it and once you do it once it's so easy and then like you just get the episodes on your phone and everything else and it's kind of a treat then because you're like oh i get the main episode and i got my little pre-show and all that kind of thing Mm-hmm. yeah so we do a pre-show we do bonus episodes we're embarking on a really fun uh journey on our patreon where we are going city by city doing an official ranking combining our rankings with a point system we're gonna do each city then we're gonna tackle all of the housewives combined and i just know somehow you'll manage to put heather dubrow at the top of every list in every city <laughs> Um, that's an important part of the conversation, but that, I don't think that's up yet, but it will be up in the future. Oh, that's exciting. So, I mean, and the, and the beauty of anyone who joins your Patreon now, like I love the pre-shows because I love your kind of, both of you talking about other things that you watch and, and mm-hmm. like kind of side conversations, but also there's tons of great kind of deep dives into different aspects of Housewives. So the beauty, if you join the Patreon now is you've tons of content that you can go back and, and discover. The best era of the pre-show was when what I was watching every week was Below Deck. Because <laughs> <laughs> literally, Dan would be like, and what about you? would be like, well, this week it was more Below Deck. And you'd hear Dan being like, <sighs> the Below Deck spinoff is imminent, I can tell. <laughs> uh, Brendan, it was a joy to talk to you today. I, I mean, I know I wanted to have a Brendan and Dan moment on the show, but I think getting to do both of you individually on Houses and Me has been a joy. Thank you very much for joining me today. Thank you for having us, uh, me. And you should come on our podcast sometime soon once we figure out the timing. I would actually, honestly, if we can make the time zones work, I'll do a late night here because I actually do miss. And also now that I've done so much remote recording, I'm just like, fuck it. Like, I'll do a late night for Come Through Queen. It'll be worth it. Keep your ears peeled, everyone. That's the next crossover that's going to happen. Thank you, Connor. That was Brendan Davis of Come Through Queen here on Housewives and Me. Thank you so much to Brendan for joining me. And of course, his co-host Tam was on recently as well. If you missed that episode, you can go back. It's about two or three weeks ago. And you can get Come Through Queen wherever you get your podcasts. They also have a website as well. I'll put all the information in the show notes for this episode. That is it for this week. I will talk to you again soon. We'll have another episode as planned um, next week. I should say just a little bit of housekeeping, no pun intended. I am moving home myself at the moment. So I have episodes in the can and I'm working away in the podcast. But if there are any delays uh, to upload dates or anything like that, I will let you know on social media. You can find the show on at Housewives and Me on Twitter and Instagram. I think we'll be okay. I'm, I'm aiming to make sure the episodes don't get delayed, but just in case. Um, you can follow me on It's Connor Bean on Twitter and Instagram as well. And if you enjoy what you heard i'd really appreciate if you subscribe to the show or follow it on whatever platform you get your podcast from and if you're on apple Podcasts, a rating and a review will be an amazing way to support the show thank you so much for listening stay safe i'll talk to you soon